Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another captaincy video and podcast from Fantasy Football Scout. It's another full round of fixtures and another week with plenty of choice. It's not just a full round of fixtures, we've got an extra match. Uh, my name is Joe and joining me to find the best captaincy options for game week 32 is David. David, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks. I had a good week uh, in FPL, which is uh, quite a rare uh, occurrence this season. Um <laughs> 70 points on my wild card. I'm over 100k places. So, as yeah, I'm in a buoyant mood. The funny thing is, um, probably one of my worst decisions was to uh, go for a one-week punt on Raheem Sterling and captain him. Um, and that didn't pay off. And here we are. Here we are asking me for my captaincy opinions. You know, how ironic. Um, you know, we talked last week about how largely if you were going to captain a Man City player, it was going to come down to who was going to start. So that's why I went yeah. Sterling, as I said. Bit of a one-week punt. Because I, I need to make a transfer this week anyway. Because I'm going to free hit in 33. Okay. So it was an easy... Switch to get a Spurs asset, wow. and as I said, it's so much nicer this week to be looking at a much smaller pool of players for the captaincy. Um, largely, yeah, Spurs because they're the yeah. only team in the double game week. It's actually only one. We're only going to look at one player. No, we're not really. We will. <laughs> we. I think part of this is is not. I mean, Kane with a double game week is the obvious choice, and I would not persuade anyone not to do that. But there are other options. But just like some, you know, a murder mystery on TV. Sometimes you know who the killer is. Well, you want to know why. You want to know why they did it or how they did it. And so that's what we want to know with Kane. Why should we captain him? And are we making... You want to hear them do the evil voice. That's yeah, what we want to hear the right... <laughs> we want to hear the the what, why, how, why, where and all of that. Um, so, okay, well, this, we've got to start with, with Spurs. So what have we got? We've got Kane, double game week, absolutely prime for the golden boot. Incredible season. He's got assists, shots on target, everything we want. Um, he takes on Everton away and then Southampton at home. The best captain, surely. So, why should we be captaining Kane? Well, um, should we start with motivation, opportunity, um, <laughs> you know, the murder weapon? Um, I suppose, I mean, mo- mo- motivation is, is probably the, the easiest one to cover. I mean, devastating result for, for Spurs last week against Man United, which you could tell from, from Son's post-match interview. Um, so they need some positive results. This is an opportunity to sort of catch up on people. Um, these sorts of matches, I, I tend to trust their attacking assets a lot more than I do uh, the United game. Because the thing is, I've seen a few people sort of go, "Oh, you know, Spurs didn't look too good in that game. You know, Mourinho could lose his job. Like, is it, should we really be looking at this, the Spurs assets?" Well, it's not really that shocking to me that um, they didn't do too well against Man United because Man United are now the sort of top six nullifying, yeah. or not top six, the, the big six. The big six nullifying uh, 
you know team experts in that because they just they just always uh well most of the time limit what they can do you know we've talked time and time uh, again about the nil nils they're capable of achieving against Chelsea, Arsenal, uh, Liverpool, you know, clean sheet against Man City and they obviously won the game 2-0. So, um, Solskjaer is turning into a big six match specialist. Uh, so, well done to him. Um, completely different story when we're coming up against um, Southampton uh, mm. and Everton. And I think um, the handy thing is, of course, that we saw on Monday night that, yeah, Southampton are a team that can concede heavily, even to West Brom. I mean, to be fair, West Brom's attack is getting better, but at the same time, which we'll talk about in a second, is that Spurs' attack is still very capable. So to see Southampton concede those goals is really encouraging, uh, unless you're a Southampton fan, of course. Um, so over the last six matches, Southampton's expected goals conceded is 9.78. Um, they've conceded 13, so they've conceded more than they should have done. But even if they concede in line with what they should have done, it's still the fourth worst expected goals conceded in the division. Um, Everton are a little bit better. Um, they are the sixth best for expected goals conceded. But, you know, um, if if you've got a double, the, the Spurs are the only double game week team and they've got, you know, the Southampton game. The Everton one is just a bonus, right? So, um, no concerns for me about the opposition. One other thing I find really interesting about Southampton's defence, actually, is um, people know that I like to try and see if there's any particularly weak sides mm for a volume of chances conceded. And I didn't really find one, which doesn't necessarily have to be a problem. I found that over the last six, that if you sort them for shots conceded down the left, they conceded 17, which is about mid-table. Um, shots conceded through the centre for Southampton is 14, which actually is like the sixth best. Um, and then uh, for shots conceded down the right, it's 16, which is like the eighth best. But, but when you look at big chances conceded, they conceded 18, which is the second worst. So when you when I find a team that isn't really conceding too many shots on a volume level, but is conceding a large number of shots on a quality level, it tells me if they come up against um, a player who likes to shoot a lot, um, there's actually like a higher chance that his chances will be big because it does it seems to not take too much volume mm -hmm. to create quality against this Southampton defence right now. So then when you look at the fact that over the last six, uh, Kane is joint second for shots in the box among players in the Premier League behind only Salah um, his seven big chances is the joint best mm -hmm. and his 11 shots on target is also the joint best okay. so it, it just that seems like a perfect matchup and then the Everton game you know if he can nick something which he has demonstrated he has the capability of doing this season then quids in really um, yeah I mean I'm, I'm, I want yeah is it Stuff you'd like to add, Joe? Like, yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty I mean, simple, got, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can only add to it with um, I've got some more more recent stats, as in um, you know, narrowing it to the, the absolute latest. So we're going last four here, um, but as you said, with the last six, which is which is a good barometer there, um, great barometer to show how how potent Kane is and how poor Southampton's defence in particular is. But these are last four matches got up on the screen here. Um, it shows out of all Spurs assets. So what I've done is I've basically, if they've had a big chance, they're in the table. So there's not that many. There's only six of them so far. And this is their last four matches they've played. Kane, absolutely top with four. Next best is Son and Bale and uh, Vinicius uh, with two. Um, Aurier and Ali have created a big chance, uh, rather had a big chance each. Um, in terms of, it, it, you talk about that volume as well, but look at that, 17 goal attempts, four matches. I mean, the, the next best is Aurier <laughs> with seven. So like Kane's just in a world of his own. Nine of those inside the box, seven on target. He's scored three goals um, and he's having a shot inside the box every 40 minutes. This is his last four. Um, and, then, and then you look at um, 
Son. So who should we... Is Son a consideration? Sort of, yes. But he's turned more into a bit more of a, of a creator than Kane was. So Kane, chances created, zero. <laughs> um, because he's much more attacking now. And is that because he's going for that golden boot? Remember that that time when Ericsson had scored a goal and then but Kane claimed it and he claimed on his daughter's life that he'd got it so he was so desperate for the golden boot he was putting the lives of his family uh, on on it so this is a guy that really wants that golden boot and so he's just, he's just in shooting mode um so the chances creating that's being left up to the likes of Aurier the likes of Son Bale when he can get on the pitch Ali when he can get on the pitch these are the these are the creative people there um yeah, so that's that's what I would add last ball really to that, just backing up everything you've been saying. Um, but I'll put up another table here of my worst defences table, last four, and exactly what you were saying about Southampton. Big chances conceded. Sheffield United still the worst. Crystal Palace second worst with sixteen big chances conceded, and then Southampton. So Southampton are starting to get into that zone. Burnley another one. To, to target in terms of a porous defence. But then, yeah, you look down at Everton, just six big chances conceded, and that puts them on a par with, say, Leicester, Wolves, one better than, um, sorry, one worse than Manchester United, um, who've only conceded two goals. Uh, but yeah, Everton, yeah, six big chances conceded, five goals conceded. So they and expected goals conceded for expected goal uh, fans. Um, yeah, Everton have con- uh, were expected to concede around five goals. They conceded five goals. This is quite handy for the stats, really, because it shows they're on a par with what they should be doing. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, just... the handy thing, obviously, also is that Everton's fixtures have actually been quite nice, uh, largely across that period. Um, their last six were Brighton, Palace, Burnley, Chelsea, admittedly, West Brom, Southampton. So you kind of expect them; they should be in that area of the table, really. Um, yeah. And you know, when they did play Chelsea, they lost two 0 So. You know they're definitely capable of conceding. It's harder harder for us to sit here and say, "Oh, it's definitely going to happen." Um, but yeah, it's it's it. That sometimes is just a nice little bit of uh, mitigating circumstances, perhaps, to explain why defence has been doing uh, perhaps better than we'd hoped or expected. I suppose they. I think they're without Mina now. Mm. Uh, one of injured against Brighton. Um, so then, yeah, the defence is not. Yeah, it's it's not going to be exactly what Ancelotti wants to choose. I imagine. Yeah. Um, Pickford, I think, uh, has, been, has been in and out as well. So, for me, it's more of a feeling that he can get something against Everton. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a double game week, so you know we all know we all know what we're talking about. There. I don't feel like yeah. I have to explain that kind of gut feeling too much. More. Yeah, I mean, looking just going back to those Spurs stats again. Um, some people will say, "Well, um, Kane's going to be really well captained." Of course, he is. There's triple captaincy chips flying around as well, so his, his effective ownership is going to be huge. So. Some people, they would think, well, I'm going to go against that. I'm going to go for Son. I'm going to bet that Son is going to outscore Kane. Therefore, I'm going to get more points and steal a march on there. If you do that, you are betting not just against someone who's going to be well-captained, but against a player in Kane who's justifiably well-captained. Son is just not getting the volume or the quality of shots or and he's creating some chances. But four chances over four matches isn't great really this is his last four so um yeah son's an option but is he a better option than kane no yeah um, it's uh, the the ownership thing is going to be massive as well i mean uh yeah. 
yeah, great point of triple captaincy. I've I've already activated my triple captainship Ooh. for Kane, um, and um, just simply because I think it's I can't see where there's going to be a better opportunity this year um, to captain one of the most devastating assets with the stats that we've outlined here. I mean, one one other one I hadn't actually included. Anyone who's massively into their xG last six matches, Kane is top for expected goals non penalty in the whole division. And he also takes penalties. So there's just another thing to chuck in there. Um, against defences that we think can concede against him, both of them. Uh, it, for me, it's a bit of a no-brainer just with the way that my team's set up and uh, not knowing what double game weeks are going to come, I can't guarantee I'm going to get a better one. So that's quite an easy one for me. Um, but then in terms of, as you said, the effective ownership, it's going to get massive because mm. of that and also because he's a good asset. So in order to, I guess, preempt that um, idea... I always like to, you know, if it kind of appears relevant, uh, which yeah. I think in this case it does, look at the Fantasy Football Scout captain poll as yeah. it currently stands. It's been up for about 24 hours. And at the moment, Kane obviously is top with 78.63% wow. of that's, votes. That's huge. Yeah. And so then Son is second with just 8.67%. So the, the gap even between Kane and Son is like absolutely mammoth. And then third place is Jesse Lingard on 3%. So yeah. it really is, you have to be so brave to go against Kane th this week. You, you really do. I mean, I, I don't want to say it will be the wrong decision to do it because, I, you know, we've seen people do it before and it work off, but we, we have to go on what we know yeah. now. And this really doesn't feel like a week to go against the grain because the grain seems to kind of be going in the yeah. right direction but or in the obvious direction. There's weeks, the week, there's weeks to bet against the house and this isn't it because Kane is good and definitely against Southampton. So if he was against... So, well, let's go back to that worst defences. So, if he was against, say, Everton and Wolves or Everton and Leicester, would would he be good for a triple captain? Would he be the best captain that week? Would Son be better? Well, then I might start thinking about elsewhere. And I might be start thinking about single game week players. But Southampton are right up there. So, this could be, it could be huge. It could be. I'm not saying it will be, but it could be. And that's what we're looking at here. Um, but looking at that, that table, big chances conceded. Burnley's still there. Um, still conceding um, they, they're, they're more of an attacking side now than a defensive side so we have to alter our thinking about Burnley um, and their defence is there for the taking which makes perhaps single game week players an option if you definitely want to avoid going for Kane or Son there are single game week options with great fixtures and among them is uh, Fernandes so Burnley against Manchester United uh, Fernandez has an expected goal involvement of three over his last four and he's third in terms of chances created only KDB and Alexander-Arnold have more um, have had created more um, prior to last night's matches um, uh, those figures were there by the way uh, related to KDB and TAA um, especially since he has had he had seven shots on target um, over the last four and only Ian Acho, Wood, Lingard and Havertz have had more so I managed to update that as well so some of those were uh, prior to last night's matches but um, hastily this morning I put up a new table here which shows that Fernandez is to be considered and if you marry that up with Burnley as well uh, and their defence um, but looking at that table there so I mean we'll come to some of the other names shortly but Fernandez, yeah, I mean is he is he in the reckoning for the captaincy? It just can't really compete with Kane. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think, um, so I actually don't even own Fernandes anymore. I took Ooh. a big, big risk on my wildcard and sold him so that I could have um, Salah, Sterling and, and then Son. Uh, I probably have a window to get him back and I think I'll be free hitting to have him when they play Leeds, for example, because it's kind of hard mm. to go without him for that. Yeah. Um, 
But, yeah, um, I don't know. I've, I've gone one week without Fernandez, and it paid off so far. So I'm kind of I'm I'm in the I'm loosely in the camp of we could probably go without him for a little bit and get away with it. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> but if you look at his last um, his last six matches uh, just for points, it really doesn't make for great reading. It's just one assist, one goal. Um, the stats, are, as you say, are, are relatively decent. I mean. Um, I'm a big fan of shots on target, so yeah, to see yeah. that he's joined second for shots on target over a certain period is is good. I suppose the thing with with that is that he is more of a distance shooter than, say, uh, well, Kane, uh, Wood, Iheanacho, mm. uh, Lingard. I think um, it, it's probably halfway in between, uh, you know, a distance shooter and, and a and a penalty box tapping merchant. But I, I usually discount shots on target slightly more for those guys that shoot okay. outside the box, like De Bruyne. Um, and I suppose like Yaya Torre, you know, those sorts of players. It's still a useful metric, but it wouldn't sway me on the captaincy, I don't think, bearing in mind that Kane has the same number of shots and targets as him over the last four, but, um, you know, he's got, well, more in the box, like considerably more. Yeah. Um, his XG is higher as well. And, and I suppose the interesting thing is, um, yeah, Fernandez is kind of getting to the point where... Um, penalties do play a big part of whether or not he's going to get something and can you legislate for that not always I I think you can in weeks where you're uncertain and you own Fernandez, captaining him's not a bad bet because oh they might get a penalty and yeah. then you get 10 points right yeah. um, but when you pair that against um, Kane with two games um, loads of volume loads of quality in the box it's not really a comparison and so then yeah over the last six matches um, Bruno Fernandez is XG uh, um, non-penalty is 0.85. Um, his minutes per inspected goal on is 157.8, which is about the 25th best in oh, the division. Okay. We got we've got people like Madger, uh, Welbeck, um, Jacob Murphy, Havertz, Abamyang, Wood, Arigi, <laughs> Pulisic, Jesus, Pepe, Dwight Gale. Uh, all these people they have a better minutes per expected goal involvement than Fernandez, who is. Uh, under uh, performing against it, so his XGI delta is minus one point four one. So we know he's a quality player, but right now he just seems to be experiencing a slight dip in form, which I suppose naturally had to come because nobody can sustain that over a prolonged. He he was able to sustain it longer than most because he's a quality player, but we appear to be approaching a bit of a dip right now. That said, Burnley is a great fixture. I reckon he can get something in this mm. game, but I can't captain him. No. Um, okay. Over Kane, I just can't do it. Okay. So, well, yeah. well, let's move through some of those other names as well, um, because these are all valid alternatives. Um, Lingard, Jesse Lingard, he cannot stop scoring, um, <laughs> um, uh, but he's against Newcastle, um, so could be a great option. Um, one of the what we spoke about last week was we were a bit concerned how he would fare without Antonio. It seems like he can do pretty well. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but how now is now they've got a fair how will he do without Cresswell for example um, chances are he might do well um, but yeah Lingard uh, an option against Newcastle for the captaincy but if this was a single game week and Spurs were just playing Everton or, or as you said if Spurs had a double against two not so great yeah. te- not so great teams for t- targeting defence um, I would be seriously considering Lingard because okay. um, he, he he just looks so good Um on the Cresswell thing, I don't think we need to worry too much about that because since Masuaku came back, they've gone back to playing largely with... It's not exactly a back three, but it often is a back three. So Cresswell is nowhere near as marauding as he was before and those duties have been left to Masuaku. So um, 
I, I think he'll be fine without him. Um, Bowen is in fantastic form as a different type of centre forward to Antonio, but still effective. Mm. More with his runs than his, uh, you know, physical presence. Still makes a difference. Um, there's been so much talk in, in the community about can Lingard sustain what he's doing because his, his XG doesn't match up with what he's doing. Um, if that it, Lingard, for starters, wouldn't be the first guy mm. to consistently overachieve against his XG. Uh, if someone is truly world class, which you know, which some he people is. will tell you, Jesse Lingard <laughs> is, um, you know, then then they can do that. But I've got to be honest, I've not actually looked at his XG at all the whole time I've owned yeah. him, and I've owned him like four, maybe five game weeks. I, I got him maybe two or three games into his hot streak, um, and the reason why is because um, one of the, one of the tables I often use. Um, I mean, I use XG. I love XG. It's one of my favourite stats to use. You have to use it in conjunction with other things. Um, is that I, I'm quite a fan of shots on target. Yeah. And um, not, again, in isolation, but one of my tables that I have, uh, I have shots in the box, big chances, and shots on target together, right? And so then when I'm looking at my transfers, I'll just I'll sort those three columns and see if there's anyone who's in the top two or three for maybe two or three of those three yeah. metrics. Um, and... What the so yes, Lingard looks like he's overachieving, but actually the, the the base kind of like data that he's overachieving against is still solid. So even if Lingard regresses from double digit hauls every game week, he's still operating on, I think, a sustainable and solid base of um, shots in the box, big chances, and shots on target. So in the last six, he's joint second for shots on target in the whole league. So it tells you that well, yeah, even if he's shooting from places where the XG is low. You fancy him to get it in the net, and we've seen that consistently now over nine games. But also, he's had five big chances, which is the joint third highest. So if we're worried about the quality of his chances, well, you know, compared to everyone else, it's still pretty decent. But then also, he's persistent in his shots as well, because yeah, his eleven shots in the box um, is the joint fourth. Sorry, the thirteen shots in the box is the joint fourth best. So I'm not going to captain him this week because Kane is is you know a big deal, but. Um, a lot of this kind of idea that Lingard is is going to fizzle out at some point. Yeah, maybe he's going to regress. But in terms of um, the quality of his chances, they're still good enough for you to own him. And maybe, you know, captain him at a later point when Spurs, when Spurs aren't I playing. Th- I, think, I think some of the, the people that, that do support that, the XG stats, can go a bit too far with it, really, in thinking that it's... I mean, all of these stats here are stats of previous form that we use as a predictor of future form. But for, think, for some people, think XG is, is, is magic <laughs> and that it is the predict. It is somehow got a crystal ball and is actually telling you what's going to happen. And it's not. It's just simply um, uh, amalgamating other stats and pulling them together and looking at quality of, of the chances that they've had. Um, but if you look at it, yeah, I mean, we've seen this before with the likes of Vardy. Um you know, he certain certain stats metrics. So, so Vardy might not have had so many shots on target, but he's got three goals from three shots on target in six matches. How has that happened? Well, that's just certain players do that. And Lingard, yeah, I mean, on fa- face value, his expected goal involvement of two and a bit goals, yet he scored five, yet he's had eight shots on target, and ten of those have been inside the box, ten of his shots. Makes me think XG is not actually a good metric with Lingard. And I, I mean, it, it's just it, it's not a good metric of how he has been performing. And as you said, shots on target is because that's more yeah. accurate. That's what's been happening. He's been shooting on target and scoring. Yeah. Well, shots on target is a metric that isn't actually included in XG. Because it just it just isn't. So yeah. um, that's why if I had to pick two stats to to, to operate from for the rest mm. of my life, 
I would probably I probably would go with XG, but I would also have to include it with um, shots on target because XG is yeah. is a way of amalgamating the opportunities they've had. Shots on target is a way of mm. quantifying how good they are at converting those. So, for example, like David McGoldrick would often have relatively high XG stats, but his shots on target would be really low. Or every now and then he'd get a few yeah. shots on target, but his goal conversion would be low. Um, you have to combine the two because XG um, XGI will um, will roll up. So XG will roll up shots in the box. It will roll up big chances and put all that together. Mm. Um, XGI will then obviously factor in um, you know key passes and the quality of the passes mm. created. But as I said, absolutely none of that tells you how XG becomes goals. Yeah. So that's why shots on target are so important. And that, that's just why if I ever see anyone operating consistently at the top end of shots on target in the league, I tend to sign them up. Yeah. And so I had a wild card this week, so I had the opportunity to sign as many as I wanted to. And uh, over the last six matches, the top four for shots on target in the league, Harry Kane, who admittedly didn't yeah. score this week, but we think he's a good option. Chris Wood, who I snapped yeah. up, got an assist, but Me should too. have scored as well. Ian Acho. Yeah. Bag to brace, Lingard brace, you know Havertz eight shots on target, brace Pereira eight shots on target. He's he hauled against uh, Southampton. So players who who do well um, often, you know, uh, if if they if they're showing that they can consistently hit shots on target, it's kind of like law of averages. The more shots on target you're throwing at the goal, the more chances you are you're going to score. It sounds really simple and obvious, but for me that's the key with Lingard. And um, so then there's going to I'm, I'm sure there'll be a time between now and the end of the season, provided he's still hitting these kind of numbers. It shows that he's got a very good ability to convert XG, even low XG, into goals. Then I'm probably going to captain it at some point, but just not when Spurs are playing twice. <laughs> okay. We'll just rattle through some of these other names just quickly then. Um, so we've got Ian Acho. Yeah, I mean, both of us got him on the wildcard. Lots of other wildcarders did too. And immediate, immediate returns there. Looking, looking great. Looking like the Leicester player to get rather than Vardy. So um, yeah, it's against West Brom. Um, but however, West Brom, looking at the defences table, are sort of mid-table. In fact, they're almost, one, I would say, one of the best defences at the moment. Um, so possibly not for captaincy, should put it that way. Um, Havertz against Brighton. Once again, Brighton, they're not like right up there with City like they were for, um, a couple of weeks ago for their defences. But the last four as well, they've only conceded five big chances. So perhaps not Havertz this time around for the captaincy. Um, Mares and KDB. Um, so looking at the fixtures, um, City against Villa. Um, going back to their defences table, um, Villa are sort of getting there in terms of being a bad defence, but they're not quite there yet. So perhaps not there. And and, I, and you mentioned Pereira as well at, at West Brom. <laughs> um, and so looking at the fixtures, um. Yeah, Leicester against West Brom. I mean, if you if you like to captain the player who's playing on the final day, some people do that. Um, there we go. Pereira against Leicester. Leicester just conceded <laughs> to West Ham and they've got another West side coming to see them. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, any, any of those um, appeal or any anyone else for those who don't want to go for Kane? I mean, I think of those, Ian Atcher is probably the one I prefer. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm, you know, looking for my my differential of the week, I, I suppose outside of the ones we've already discussed. Um, yes, West Brom's defence has been improving. Um, they they shouldn't have they've, they should have conceded more goals than they have, from what I can see. So last six matches, expected goals conceded of nine point three four. 
Yeah, slightly worse than what yeah. you mentioned, which obviously shows that if they're performing better over the last four than the last six, they are improving. But their XG delta, uh, so they should have conceded 5.3 goals more mm. than they have because they only conceded four over the last six. So there's coming a point where that maybe reverts to the, the mean. And so then if they're going up against a guy who I've already um, kind of touched upon uh, his statistical form, very impressive. Um, last six matches for Iheanacho, 14 shots in the box, seven big chances, 10 shots on target. And, you know, um, what is also quite um, interesting, uh, really, for him is just how he's just so far ahead um, of Vardy. Like, it's, yeah. it's not even close. Like, a lot of people had the cho- choice to, to go between Vardy and Iheanacho on the wildcard. And sometimes it can be easy to assume that the more expensive guy is the one who's better to go with. But I would always draw people to the Fantasy Football Scout premium members area to really ascertain you know, like who's the better option because, yeah, last six, 14 shots in the box for Iheanacho, six for Vardy. Um, and that's for fewer minutes from Iheanacho as well. Not massively fewer, yeah. but still fewer. Seven big chances for Iheanacho, three for Vardy. Ten shots on target for Iheanacho, joint best in the division. Oh, sorry, joint second best in the division. And just three for Vardy. So Iheanacho is miles ahead of Vardy now as the, as the you know, spearhead for the Leicester attack. So, um, yeah, that's my two cents on him. I think his stats are good enough for him to get something against West Brom. But yeah. as we said, general general gist is it's got to be Kane. <laughs> it just has to be Kane. Yeah, I mean, I'm just. Uh, I mean, people might say, "Oh, why aren't you mentioning Liverpool?" Well, Liverpool against Leeds, and um, we saw what Leeds did to Man City. Leeds defense is actually people can look at all season XG as much as they like with Leeds. They are currently an okay defense, um, and that makes them um, not one of those defenses you want to target. So there, Leeds there. Conceded four big chances. And they're better okay. They're one of the best defences at the moment on current form. And so they're against the Liverpool side, who aren't as free-scoring as perhaps they, they could be. Um, so Salah and Jota could be, could be options if you're that way inclined. But the defence they're playing, the current form, says they are nowhere near as good as Kane with two fixtures. And I guess that's where, you know, I think... I mean, that has to be the beginning, the middle, the conclusion... Captain Kane, he's the best. He's got two fixtures. One of them is against a really bad defence. Um, so, um, yeah, I think we'll have to leave it with that one. Um, please, please do press uh, like if you've enjoyed this video. Um, and remember to subscribe to keep up to date with our latest videos and podcasts wherever you receive them. Also, remember our members area. David mentioned um, some of the, where, where those stats come from. They come from the members area of Fantasy Football Scout. All, all opta-driven. And um, if you're an XG nut, you can go mad in there. Uh, but if you if you like the more analogue, um, basically confidence shots on target, we also have a look at measuring those as well. But in the meantime, um, David, good luck with your captaincy decision of Kane. <laughs> well, I mean, bearing in mind we're captain in the same person. I hope your <laughs> captain comes off for you as well. Cheers. <laughs>